0: This hour, sponsored by Addo. The power behind the storage.
1: This is NAB Show Live.
0: Hello, and welcome to NAB Show Live. As powered by Broadcast Beat. So uh, for this session, we're going to be talking all about sports. So I've got three guests with me. So I've got Jay from Supernore, Andy from BT Sport and Ken from Sports Video. Um, So I think the first question really is, what are you seeing that's new for sports in 2019 and especially for the big year of
2: 2020? Mm. (laughs) Who's first? Uh, well, you know, tw- we've been obviously at SVG. We go track out all the events and do a lot of uh, traveling around, seeing what the people are doing from a production standpoint. Uh, you know, I, I think that for me, the, big, the biggest thing I've seen this year, which was interesting, was CBS of the Super Bowl used yeah. 8K, deployed 8K within a super zoom, I guess, Wait, the right word? Yeah. Super zoom extraction uh, mode. They didn't get to use it in the game because the game was so terrible. But, and, <laughs> but what was interesting was the week before, in the championship game, there was a play where they actually could have used that. They had a 4K camera, but when they zoomed in, they were, I think their resolution was around 700 you know, lines, so it, wasn't, it was definitely not HD. Yeah. So I think they proved the case for why you need 8K. So I'm 8K, So I'm curious to see how 8K will have a role within sports yeah. productions. But I mean, look, the shows are getting bigger, as you know. Um, they're getting more robust. The OTT stuff, platforms are getting more content and original content.
1: Yeah. So those are some of the big trends, but you know, more is better with sports.
0: Yeah, Jay, what are you seeing?
1: Well, I think one of the things we want to talk about also is where we're seeing a lot of uh, move towards remote production and more centralization of of, of management of the overall uh, infrastructure. And I think um, the the FIBA World Cup that's going to be in China this summer is an interesting example of that where you're having a lot more vertical integration because you have a sort of top-down control Mm. by the the federation itself and also the very sort of difficult environment from an infrastructure standpoint. I mean, China's a very modern country, but um, it has its own challenges in terms of uh, you know, getting signals here and there with some uh, clarity and certainty. So I think that's one of the things that will be very interesting to see how that goes.
3: Yeah, Andy. I think it's <clears throat> some of the stuff has been mentioned. We're going to see things like HDR really become mature. Yeah. Uh, HDR live has been also HDR post for a long time, and it's great. But HDR live is much more complicated as we've seen. But I think we'll start to see it reach maturity this year and into next year of the Olympics and things. Yeah. We've already announced at some point in the next year we will launch. So, we're working hard on that. Right. I think uh, cloud has been bubbling away for a while, and I, mm-hmm. think, I think we'll get to the point probably in the next 18 months where proper, some form of proper cloud based production is now possible. And there are, there are proof concept products from a number of vendors here sort of showing it. They're still a little bit early, missing some of the oh features right. they needed, but I think we'll start to see that ramp up as they increase the tool sets yeah. to become really valuable rather than just a bit of, a, yeah, a bit of an interesting yeah. idea.
0: Yeah. So
2: when you've been wandering on the floor, the show floor, I know that HDR has been very complicated and complex the last couple of years. Are you yeah. feeling that the are the live solutions becoming more holistic and easier on the floor? Or is it still a little complicated as far as the formats, the flavors?
3: It's still complicated. I think the the ecosystem we've designed as an industry is not great. We've come up with a variety of different formats, and truthfully, it's going to be difficult to interrupt, actually because. Different people in different sports organizations, different territories are going to do different things, which is going to be a headache for the likes of OBS and the Olympics, and, right. um, and so on and so forth. Um, and truthfully, generating really good HDR with really good STR with a single production workflow is really hard. But we have to do that to make it commercially viable, and we will do it. And we've been working really, really hard. Did a big broadcast the other day uh, FA Cup quarter-final game at Watford, where we did exactly that, HR-centric production with all the things we have to have. 22 cameras, VAR integration, Piero analysis, HDR replays, graphic, the works. So you can, it's doable, but it is it is still technically very complicated and needs a lot of expertise to make sure it doesn't go wrong. And that's the problem, the danger is that it's you can make it, if you're not careful, things can go wrong. Right. But I think that will come easier, there's more product coming. I think we'll start to share some knowledge. Um, that'll help as well. But I think the interops probably the challenge with different people having different philosophies. Because I see now different people doing very different things in different territories, which makes it very hard to the content sure.
2: yeah,
1: yeah,
0: yeah. And uh, Jay, you spoke about remote production. I mean, you know, what what are you seeing as the benefits of that?
1: Well, I think it's, it's uh, you know most people are looking at it from a sort of economic standpoint, but I think the, the real drivers here are about quality control and consistency. Yeah, um, you know the the overall complexity of you know on-site productions. Um, you know, as i came into this industry 3 years ago i'm, I'm continually shocked at the, the amount of inefficiencies and in what i'll call wastage uh, in a very expensive environment and you know the the concerns over the the risks of anything going wrong which of course is a major impediment to you know migrating in the cloud and things like that but ultimately um, you know you can start to have a better controlled environment you can have operators that are more uh, experienced because they can do you know 3 or 4 games in a week instead of one or two um, you might ha- you might end up with a you know, people with lower divorce rates, because they're not traveling all the time. There might be an a period, by the way, with higher home. divorce rates. Oh, yeah, people come home and find out uh, a few things they didn't mean to.
2: Wait, there are a lot of people who, I've heard, divorce rates will go up if they have to be home. Yeah. Yeah. I honestly heard
3: that from I <laughs> mean, I think for us, we've done a lot of work on remote. And I mean, there's a lot of people who are more advanced than us. But we've, we think there's like three tiers of remote, depending on the type of content yeah. we're making and the type of uh sport or the league and so we've had three we've kind of done three tiers. one is like kind of entry level based around um cellular bonded technology four or five camera events right. but you kind of cap out in the 4g world uh, at about four or five cameras and run out of bandwidth but it's mm-hmm. great for smaller events where you haven't got to have loads of cameras then we have this middle tier football kind of model which we're using 4k satellite technology for actually so we put up a pair of satellite uh, paths in 4k mm-hmm. right. we use the quadrants to bring yeah. back four separate 1080p 50 signals. We put camera one on both in case we lose one. And then we also complement that with, with a mobile viewpoint or some, some cellular bonded things on a, cameras that don't need to be synchronous. So for example, net cams in the goals don't need to be synchronous, they're a replay only. So we can get about nine or 10 cameras. And that's a really, actually a really comprehensive uh, production. And then we can move on to the full kind of fiber integrated yeah. high end, which starts to unlock 4K and other things if we want to do that. But for us, just to go back to the point about benefits, I think there's, we see five things. Actually, when you start to untether, if you if you use the mobile model of 4G or satellite with RF, you can start to really rethink some of the editorial. So you can unlock things that never happened before. So, for example, on uh, when we did a, uh, a 5G, a 4G game on um, National League, which is a, a lower tier event in the UK. You could do things like send a camera, a body camera, off to meet the team bus or the visiting team, jump on the bus at a service station and yeah. ride in live. You would yeah. never do that in a traditional AB. You wouldn't have those kind of shots. You'd get yeah. them arriving the, off the bus, but that's it. Right. So you can chat with the coach on the journey and you can. So it gives you a completely different insight. And if you rethink how that all works, you can, you know, to put out traditional RF coverage requires a, a massive array of antennas around the stadium. But we did a one-shot from the coach, walking down, off the coach, through to the front door, down the dressing rooms, out into the pitch, through the tunnel. One, you know, and you just couldn't do that traditionally. All for very low cost.
0: And you um, having, I mean, are your, start, uh, the, your teams, are they th- able to think about that? Are, are they creative so that they're...
3: Yeah, when they're they start thinking, to see it, it's, it's really interesting. So we, we started off kind it. of fr- trying to do what we already do. And then they realised that actually this is quite interesting. We can unlock some really interesting ideas, yes. and that's why we had these kind of. And I'm sure there'll be more. We've had, we've had those ideas, but once we, we really to get into it, they're the creative guys. They'll think of some. more. I mean, that,
1: that's a good point because if you, all you do is take the, the current fairly rigid system and say, oh, fine, we're gonna we're gonna move it all centralised, you miss the benefit of people being able to innovate, right, exactly. and Try different things, right. and and because they can now right. in a more flexible manner. So it's, it isn't just the, it shouldn't be just cost savings. It no, should right. be other things yeah. as well because things well, we, we can't do. Before.
3: We, we actually think. In our list of five things that are interesting about remote production. Uh, save, you know, cost savings is the last one, right? Yeah. If you're trying to do it to save money, you're not actually doing it for the right reason. There is some there is some commercial advantage, if you get it right, but that's really about cost transformation, not cost saving right. initiative to allow us to think about how we reuse that money for other things, maybe bring in some more rights, yeah. give us more hours. For us, it's more about, you know, it's about the editorial rethinking. It's about work-life balance for staff, which I know we just talked about, but actually, <laughs> I can give you examples of staff who to go, on a, to go on a Sunday 1230 game in London in the UK, in the Women's Super League, we'd have to go on a Saturday, that's an overnight <laughs> stay from home. It's two days of them their time away. Yeah. We lose them for two days out of their working yeah. roster. Well they can come in at lunchtime, do the game, be home for tea yeah. with the children. Yeah. So and then the other thing is about um, accessibility. OB trucks are not accessible places, right? <laughs> so it doesn't, generally no. doesn't really allow for great inclusion. Yeah. But actually, studios are all designed you know, for full-width, full you know, wheelchair access, et cetera, et cetera. So actually, it's a much more inclusive workplace when you work remote in a facility Absolutely. than a no-B truck. Yeah. Um, so there are other really interesting benefits.
0: Um, and Andy, I know you've spoken about 5G a lot before. So what's going to happen?
3: <laughs> oh, we think 5G is really exciting. So I mentioned a minute ago about the cap. And we think in a typical stadium in the UK, four or five cameras kind of maxes out. Yeah. Um, it depends on the venue, obviously, and the number of people and everything else, but the good thing about 5G is it has a really important two new characteristics. Low latency, and actually it's not really about high bandwidth, it's about manageable bandwidth. So there's a technology uh, piece in the stack of 5G, which is called slicing, where we can actually carve off dedicated bandwidth. At the minute, with 4G, it's, it's just best endeavors. Everyone's sharing the mm-hmm. same pool. Um, and so if everyone turns up and start streaming or using Twitter or whatever, it's, everyone's consuming. With Slicer we can guarantee some space, and you can order it you know, by, by data rate, you know, bandwidth size, the time you want it, it can be down to minutes. So it's much more accessible and it's dedicated bandwidth just for this one use case. Yeah. And so that will make a huge difference to guaranteeing uh, the uptime. It's a quality service issue, basically. I think
1: you're going to have to be really cautious with 5G. You know, <laughs> the, the hype that was around you know, 3G when it came out, then 4G, has generally never been realized, both in terms of you know, um, coverage. Um, so if you're trying to use the, the public network, now if you're using private 5, 5G you know, with a stadium environment, that's quite good for you know, transport and things like that. Um, and it doesn't actually have very high bandwidth, but depending on which of the flavor you're using, whether the high sort of super millimeter or uh, you know, lower 600 right. hertz, it doesn't have very good penetration capabilities. So, you know, uh, the high millimeter one won't go through a piece of paper. So it has to be very line of sight. Yeah. And someone's gonna have to convince me on what happens in severe weather conditions with, with rain and sleet, for example. There's been lots of examples in, in other kinds of wireless technologies where that could be a, a, a bit concerning. So I think you're gonna have to be very cautious on how you use it and get some real experience with it. It's taking you into a sector uh, of telecommunications probably that there's a lot less experience with. Um, and you know, I think you can open up a lot of creativity um, you know, Jumping on the hype bandwagon too early can be a, can yeah. maybe live somebody, somebody lives well, through regret I, perhaps. So. Think,
0: yeah.
2: You know, I think it, it, it's, it gets muddled very quickly on the 5G conversation, because for example, at the NBA All-Star game, you know, the head of at and was talking about how, oh, we're going to deploy 5G and within three years, you're not going to have wired broadband, which is ridiculous because it's going to be so expensive to, to deploy <laughs> enough 5G to do that. But what you're talking about is not necessarily riding on those networks, right? No, what you guys have done, and what Fox Sports did at the U.S. Open, do you envision like the same sort of thing? You bring in a dedicated node, and then so, you're in charge of your own node, and you can split up cameras. Or do you no, I think it'll be.
3: I think I think it's different. What we're what we're looking at, and we're, we're lucky to have EE as part of our family of uh, within BC Group. And True. So what we're looking at is where we, where can we strategically <laughs> align uh, cellular sites, uh, sighting to give and, then, and put more backhaul on those sites where we won't want to do remote production over 5G. And then we can enable the slicing, right. to exactly your point, to make sure we've got enough bandwidth available, but in the right places. Uh, if we just ride on the back of a consumer network, it's not going to work. <laughs> but if we're right. going to put a consumer network in, we can also isolate which cells need more backhaul and put it in at the same <laughs> time. A line of sight
1: backhaul is very powerful right. um, and, and fairly easy to set up from that. And it will it be was- a, an automatically licensed spectrum, which will make it easier too for, yeah. for the private networks
2: I guess the other thing that maybe you can okay. share some insights. But what's the what is the yeah, exactly. for these nodes?
3: <laughs> right. Well, we were doing in the in the trial. Uh, we did at Wembley back in the summer, we were getting about 125 yeah. megabit. But it was the problem we had was actually right, again, the whole uh, cellular space in that area because there's so much 4G, right. there wasn't much bandwidth left to add yeah. the 5G node on because you have to piggyback on the 4G cell to then uplink to the 5G. So, right, okay. so this, it's a complicated ecosystem. Yeah. Um, I mean, they're forecasting very big numbers. I'm not sure yet what the real numbers are going to be. But.
2: Yeah, because I think Fox was pushed because they were obviously dedicated, it was, it was their own yeah, so time. Right. They were pushing through, I want to say, 650?
3: Yeah, well, the demo, um, the Hawaii RAM was showing 500 plus, but that was yeah. not in a congested cell area, Yeah, yeah. right? So this is, is why you have to be a little bit careful. But I still right. think, you know. And, and
1: how much, I'm curious, how, how much of this is driven, a lot of the adoption of 4K is about marketing differentiation potentially for your viewers. Um, mm. Whether or not they actually are watching it in 4K, if it's filmed in 4K, you know, can be a differentiator. You know, is 5G one of those? Is that something exciting for people? Or is it just, you know, vendors trying to get um, the, the broadcasters excited yeah. about something?
2: Well, from from I'll just I'll speak for Fox. I think when you talk to Brad Cheney of Fox, his vision is the ability to roll into a stadium and not have to cable any cameras, right. and just be able to kind of just go. You 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 get your node, you divide it up, you dedicate your bandwidth, right? So you're guaranteed, you're you're free of all the issues of 4G LTE where you roll in the stadium, the yep. fans come in, and they fire up, and you're like, I've got nothing left. That's what his vision is for yeah. And for golf courses especially also. Yeah. yeah.
3: But it's not, a, it's not a consumer proposition in the same way of 4K. No, no, He's no I understand. An yeah. And that's
2: why it gets all muddled, because people... Right. But
1: I, I would argue that the biggest enabler for that is finally agreeing a, 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 a standard for a video over IP, 2110, because that's been the biggest uh, thing that's a roadblock for people's to of equipment. Right. And if you start to take IP and think of what you can do in other networks, um, we were talking about earlier, you know, being able to effectively plug and play, plug into a network, You know wired or or wireless either and having things automatically recognized and and be able to be controlled um, You know you if you pre-wire a stadium and have enough plug-in points, you know, I'm not sure how much it matters, but um, to be honest, so um, But 5g has other great benefits because this allows you go sort of you know, multicast within a stadium So if you have a lot of people on uh, individual devices, that you want to be able to transmit to There's a lot of cool things that are really going to come out of that
3: And
0: what about VR? Talking of new technologies.
3: So if you mean VR 360 or yeah. virtual reality, and something, well, we do a yeah. lot of both. So yeah. um, we have the a unique uh, VR 360 player inside our normal 2D mm-hmm. app. Um, we do a lot of Premier League and Champions League coverage. We're going to do the Champions League final again this year in Madrid. Right. Uh, nine camera, live, created feed, Got, you know, graphics, replays, commentary, all in, all in 360. Uh, we still think there's a, a place for it. The quality is improving all the time. Tile-based uh, encoding techniques are now right. maturing. One of the problems we have with, with uh, 360 was you had to have 4K really to get the resolution. Right. But you need a lot of bandwidth. and uh, It's actually really inefficient to a point because yeah. you're only seeing you know, on time a small area of the whole 360 sphere in 4K. If we can then use tile media encoding to, to specify, to prioritise the bits you want to actually send, a bit like Google Maps, yeah. um, mm-hmm. then it's a much more efficient way and increases the quality threshold enormously, which we think is very exciting.
2: So do you, have, do you have any insights into um, how the consumers are, do you know whether they're wearing the goggles or
3: they're just doing no. the steering thing? Mainly, about- mainly mainly, mainly it's, uh, it's, yeah, mainly it's no goggles because they yeah. want to flip it out. So it's all about interactivity. So right. they're not just doing VR, they're looking at all the uh, replays and the multicam timeline, they're going back and looking at the stats and the gameplay. And right. So the problem with putting, in, uh, putting your phone into your goggles, as great an experience as that is, is it alienates you from the rest of the experiences that are going on. Right. So now it's... It's available to us. We've put these 360 clips on the replay line, on the timeline at the bottom, so you can watch a multi-cam replay from a TV angle or a VR, wow. or you can watch the live stream, or you can put it in the headset if you want to. Right,
2: right. Well, plus also, people don't want to put their phones no, right. in it because right. they want to be online. they want to text to-
3: and Twitter. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. they
0: exactly. so want to be online.
3: So, so do you think that the,
2: do you think the, so do you think the goggles thing is ever going to be a thing?
3: Like this whole concept of sitting for three hours? <laughs> no. no. I think there'll be niche cases. We saw, it's interesting, you get a, you get a big event, it will drive, its particular people will drive a use. And it will never be a massive use, but there, will, there are people, if it's a typical gamer, for example, the gaming community, right. you know is much more engaged with goggles, so if you're a PlayStation 4 Pro user with VR, you're much more likely to use that experience right. than if you're just a normal consumer. Right. Um, so it's not going to be mass market, but I think um, on a big event basis where it's really interesting content, high value content, exciting content, it will drive some usage. But on the whole, it's all about, it's all about the magic window. Right. You really have to be
1: on the on the watch out for, you know, things are just kind of cool and trendy and hype. You know, goggles, I think, is a prime example of it may be you know, quite effective, but you know, they're a stepping stone because you learn from that experience. But I think one of the challenges if you start you know, developing for that environment is you're cutting off the social aspect. You know, if you're watching something together, you're experiencing together, or if you're actually in the stadium uh, in some ways, well, you might as well just be at home in some in some way. So, you know, g- Google Glasses, which was not overly successful, but as a first step, you know, tells you that if you had something that was allows you to, you know, see the game, see something and get some augmented information or things, that kind of thing starts to be very interesting. And and whether or not that sticks, um, you're you're not taking away from the game, you're adding to it. Or others kind of take you out of the game in some ways. So uh, personally, I'm, probably because I'm old. Um, you know, I, I struggle with that. And I think right. too many people have vertigo issues as well, you know, with goggles and things like right. that. It's yep. very hard to, yeah. to watch for any length well, of time. Well, you know, I mean, here at the CS show, <laughs> there were some really, really
2: compelling Google Glass-type devices yeah. where, I hate, sorry, I didn't mean to use air quotes, but, you know, some <laughs> Google Glass devices where, when you put them on, it was, you know, there would be a whale kind of leaping out of the water and swimming in front of you like in a virtual 3D space. And it was really, I mean, it was, so you're, you're able to see through the glasses and then within the glasses, this was layered over the top of it. Yeah.
1: I think, and it was a much more compelling experience than what Google Glass yeah. was. So exactly. that's much more augmented reality where exactly, you're mixing yeah. virtual and, and real. Right. And to make that interesting and, and uh, compelling, in my view, you know, to really be augmented reality, it has to interact in some way with the environment, not just be some overlay that's floating out in space, right. but, you know, the, the whales over there where there's yeah. a stream, and as soon as you look over this direction, you know, mm-hmm. there's, there's something land-based. Uh, I, there, I think so.
3: some really interesting things around analysis, bringing play analysis into the home for you to be involved. Right. I mean, uh, not with glasses, but Foxy in Australia did a really interesting augmented reality thing around the Bathurst race mm-hmm. two years ago where they had an app on, on the... On the um, on the uh, coasters and the bars with, the, with a QR code, and if you clicked on it, and you were in the bar watching the, the Bathhouse 1000, it brought up an AR race map, and you could look around yeah. the thing and see, the, see the, yeah. the room behind you, the pub, but you could then see all the cars. And so I think. I think there's some interesting ideas there about bringing player analysis and things into the room with you, whether it's through glasses or otherwise. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so that's going to be
0: the next big thing. So we have to wrap up. So that was a great conversation between the three of you. That's it? <laughs> that's it. Just
2: <Who's> getting started. <laughs> Just forming up. Yeah, warming up.
0: Yeah, so thank you very much for coming on Thanks, NAV Show Life. Uh, and have a great show.
2: Thanks, thank you too. Thank you.
0: Thank you.